This week's episode is brought to you by Colt 45 and Bananas, Breakfast of Champions. Hey, what's going on? This is Tay, the former co-host of Keep It Basement with the Sweens. I see the boy Sweens done blew up without me. You are tuned in to Keep It Basement and Keep It Locked here. Yeah. More fire. Come on, man. I'm too Hollywood for this podcast. Yeah, I heard you tried to get bitches to the crib. That didn't work, obviously. And then your bum-ass intern, very unreliable and unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> Sweeney, I'm going to see you later. Stay black. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. Here we have it, folks. Keep it, <laughs> keep it basement podcast. It's time to make my move. Sweet taste of victory like Oprah's Manny. Damn, that shit was dope. Damn, son. Where'd you find this? All right, keep it basement here. Uh, Keep It Basement Podcast. We got Mouse Jones on. He hosts multiple events, multiple podcasts. You could talk about that. Guys Next Door with Mac Wilds. Actually interviewed him way back on College Radio. Uh, then you got a you got a, the mixtape show right with uh, Brandon Jinx. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. No. 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 So that's not that's not my show. That is uh, Jinx and Mogul. I was just on the first episode. Got you. You go back on randomly or? Um. I don't know. That was that was literally the first one. So uh, gotcha. it seems like, you know, they're interested. So uh, whatever comes from that, I'm definitely with, um, you know, Mogul was started by my, my OG, OG Reg, uh, Combat Jack, rest in peace. So, you know, it's just full circle being able to work with that brand. That's cool. And then Quarantine Nightly, basically a show you're doing uh, consistent content. You were talking about it. I was, I watched the interview. I listened to the interview with Charlemagne and you, and you were talking about, it's more like for your resume. Cause you would like to see yourself on good morning America one day. Yeah. So the goal has always been um, to be on good morning America um, as myself, you know, not a, uh, not like a token or, or having a, having a switch up who I am. So um, I knew because I didn't have formal training, I knew I wasn't going to just be, it, it's not like, quote unquote urban or hip hop media spaces where they just respect the grind and the the, the um intuition. So I know with that I needed somehow, some way to get in there. And um so I just figured I having this um having this down but not even downtime, having this pandemic, people in our community need to be kept abreast, need to know what's going on, need to know about hard news in a way that is um palatable to them, but also in a creative manner where it's not like creating more fear. So um, I cover the news, 
Um, I do it in a very like late night type of way where, you know, I set up the stories and, you know, give a little punchline. Um, shout out to my writing team, just with Tasha and, um, and Dez. Um, we're, we're up at like nine, nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock in the morning on a writer's call. Um, and then getting the show out. And then, um, we got the interviews just like a late night show. Um, you throw to the interview and then, um, I ended with a benediction. I just think it's super important to, to hear our, you know, I, I'm a prominent voice in hip hop now. And I think it's, it's important to hear, hear me outside of hip hop spaces. Did it take you a little while to get started on that? Cause like you, you, you saw people die from coronavirus. A lot of people have, and did it feel stale at first or feel like creative, um, like, you know, like a little hole creatively, like, was it hard to start, start creating this content and do it every night? Like once you get it going, obviously the momentum's there and it's good stuff. But like before um, that, was it a tough transition? It wasn't hard to start the show itself. It was hard to figure out what I was going to do. Um, being, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the road with track karaoke and, you know, uh, especially around this season is when, you know, it starts getting nice outside. So, you know, the bookings go up and, and I'm hosting everywhere. Um, so I knew being, being off the road, it was, a, it was like an adjustment because you, I'm always on the road. So like even being around my family for this long or being around my kids this long, it's like new. It was, it was an adjustment because like I'm, I usually see out like two, three days out the week and I'm on the road. Um, so, so it was all just a big adjustment, but once I, what, what happened was I was actually inspired by, you know, my uncle, my uncle, uh, rest, rest in peace, Mr. T, um, my uncle passed from COVID. All right, and, um, once he passed, it was kind of like, all right, I gotta do something. And it, it, it kind of like just inspired me to, he loved the news and he was always, you know, whenever me and him link up, we talk about the news and we'd have these long discussions about what's going on. So, um, yeah, once, once it wasn't hard to, so to answer that question, no, it wasn't hard to start the show or get the show started. It was hard trying to figure out what it was I was going to do. Yeah. Cause there's so much negativity too out there, but you, you know, you shed a light on the people who pass away. And also the interview was dope. The one I was listening to, I could, I'm going to talk about that later. Like the whole legacy talk. Like yeah, that's yeah. why I wanted to have you on. I thought it was a great conversation. Cause originally I heard you on, I think brilliant idiots or flagrant too. And my first impression was like, my first impression was like, yo, he's such an asshole. Like, he's so rah-rah, and he's, like, in your face. And I'm like, I don't know if it's an act or not. And it's like, then I heard you on this, and I was like, dude, like, I could tell, like, he's – it's like you got to give the fuckery with the medicine. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You got to give, the, uh, give the candy and the medicine. Um, yeah. No, and, and I know I hear that a lot. It's, um, I, I think when people see that, they're just not used to it, right? They're not yeah. used to somebody being 100% themselves all the time. I'm a full and complete human being, right? So, yeah, I got the rah-rah side, like – I came up a certain way, you know what I mean? I made certain decisions that put me in certain predicaments where I had to survive. So yeah, I'm, I'm that way. And anybody who's ever been on the other side of that, they'll tell you, yeah, he's that way. Um, but then I'm also, you know, the side of the guy who gives, a, who gives so many fucks about his community and, and, and the marginalized community that lives within our marginalized community. So um, I'm all of those things, right? I'm still a guy, like if I could show you now, like I got a whole bunch of little vinyl pop collectibles and I got wrestling figures like I'm I'm 100% that guy I'm 100% a, I'm, I'm a 100% human being like when you were talking about the legacy it was refreshing to hear like uh talk about it you were talking about pretty much like the gifts and I don't want to ruin it but the trees fruits uh -huh. and the gifts analogies like you were pretty much saying like you're not shit unless you put people on I really believe that too yeah. and you said yeah. Charlamagne does a great job at that yes I mean I'm part of it right like and I think certain people have a problem with admitting that and I don't I'll never understand that but once again you know, I came up a different way. 
I came up, you know, get, paying respect to your OGs and paying respect to the, the niggas who was um, on the block before you or doing whatever you're doing before you. So I never had a problem showing respect and, and showing that love. So um, Charlemagne using it, like, you got to understand the position that somebody like a Charlemagne or a Tax or a Combat Jack or even a Schultz, the position they're in is, is they're extremely influential with their audience. The minute they touch you, the minute they stand next to you, that's a rub, right? That's a rub. They don't have to say anything. The minute they stand next to you, put you on that platform, that's a rub. And I always appreciate that and I respected that. Um, and, and with Charlemagne, like there just came a natural relationship. Like that's that's the uncle, you know, that's uncle right there. And um, a lot, like I said, a lot of people feel some way about that, but it's like for what, right? Like I can, I don't want to be Charlemagne. I can never be Charlemagne. I think people tend to see like, oh, this guy is is brash and abrasive and, and honest and says what he thinks. Oh, so now he's trying to be Charlemagne. It's not that at all. Like, Charlemagne inspired me. Taxstone inspired me. They let me know that there's a space for guys like us to be ourselves and still tell the stories we want to tell. Um, so with Charlemagne, I, I, I always give him those flowers because there's a lot of guys in this industry who don't, who won't matter once they're dead right like you won't matter once you're dead if you didn't put anybody on then you stop when you die charlemagne tax combat jack uh you know whatever the issues is russell simmons guys like that when they die there'll be so many legacies attached to them right like my dad if he passes i'm still here I'm that legacy. And then my kids, that's that legacy. I don't let it die there. The same thing in media. If you don't bring nobody up under you, then you, you stop when you dead. Yeah. Like you were saying, Charlemagne got me to appreciate, like, uh, give people their flowers. Are they still here? Like recently I just interviewed Tom Green. I was on his show, just like called him up and right. talked to him. And I, and he right. was on Rogan. Right. And I just told him like, yo, I appreciate like what you do for like everything. Like he's a hip hop head, by the way, starting hip hop, but Long story yeah. short, he like literally created online broadcasting and he got like people like Jack, he got people like Eric Andre to be influenced by him, Jackass. So I was like, that's dope, man. I appreciate like everything you did and I'm giving you your flowers while you're here and you like appreciate it, you know? And it was- You gotta, do it, you gotta do it. Yeah. And with the legacy talk, um, like I, I feel that like, I feel like also like you were saying the Schultz and Charlemans, it's funny because they're actually a, a lot bigger than a lot of these other people. And they're more open and nicer and genuine than like some of these people on the come up who are dicks and like, like don't give people like love or shout them out, which is kind of funny. That's, to me. It's like why they're big. I think. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's why. Right. Like you, you, I don't get it. Right. I don't get it. Like, um, people, um, I, I just don't get it, man. For real, I don't get it. Like, I never understood that, and I, I think I liken that to those guys. The best way to put it is people like that never been cool before, right? Like, niggas like that never been cool before. So now they're cool or they're perceived to be cool, and to keep up that facade, you can't let nobody get close to you because they're going to realize you're a cornball. So you've got to kind of be like that, and you only surround yourself with people that think like you and support those type of mindsets. So I, I can't get me, me, me. I've been like this. I've been cool my whole life, and you know what I mean? I don't mean in the sense of, you know, like, the school bully. Like, I've just been cool. People have always wanted to be around me. People have always been into what I talk about, what I'm saying. It's always been a good energy. Like, so me being on now don't change that. It's not going to change that. I'm still going to be the same type of person. Do you think radio is done for, like, down the line? And isn't it interesting how a lot of radio guys don't open doors? Do you feel that way? Um, I, Me personally, I don't think radio is dying. Um, 
especially now with this pandemic, uh, I definitely think, I mean, we've all seen radio go up a notch. Um, so yeah, radio is never going to die as long as people commute to work. Um, even though the pandemic's trying to ruin that. No, I don't think radio's ever going to die. Um, but I think people in radio, or specifically hip hop radio, those older guys have been there kind of since the onset of it, right? So this is all they know. Yeah. So, you know, anywhere, in any other industry, if you did the same job for 40 years, you get a fucking pin and, and told to get the fuck out of here. Um, but hey, uh, if you, like I said, they're, they're, if you don't bring anybody up under you and you consistently fumble the bag with talent that comes up under you, you will die in this industry. And when you're gone, no one's going to remember you. Do you think they help people back? Not like any individual, but like radio in general, like a lot of like politics in that way where they just want to be the old guy on the hill. You know, definitely, definitely. A lot of, a lot of good friends of mine and myself um, have lost opportunities. I've had opportunities thwarted or off track, set off track because, you know, people want to be the old guy. I just want to be the old guy forever. What's your story with stand-up comedy? Because um, I kind of like was in hip-hop back in the day and then got into comedy, like the opposite of you in a way. And I see that, I think hip-hop is so much, it's important not that comedy isn't, but I feel like being a part of the conversation is such more unique as a culture and like the fan base and everything. And with comedy, it seems like it's a great thing to get your feet wet where you could host events and learn from the stage. But over time, it's like a hard grind to do. Yeah, um, comic, so what happened was, um. I've been like this, you know, I've quote unquote, I've been funny my whole life. Um, and like, even going back to school, I would, I would only go to school to be able to like crack jokes and, and kick it with the girls and, and kick it with my friends. I would leave after like the fourth lunch period and I'd be in all four lunch periods, not doing shit, cracking jokes, making fun of people and like literally putting on a comedy show. Like I would hold court in the, in the, in the, um, in the lunch rooms. And so at, after, after a point, um, you know, you watch comedy. I've been watching like Deaf Comedy Jam and reruns of Comic View all my life, and just been inspired by it. And I would like steal certain Comic View bits and take it to school and watch how everybody interacts. I'm like, yeah, I like this energy. But you know, um, dropped out of high school, got in the streets, went to the military. Um, and when I got out the military, I was in Virginia for a little while, and my man was like, Yo, you should really do comedy. I'm like, What? And everybody on the on on, on my on my team, everybody in, in my unit would, would always say that. They, like when we was overseas on deployment, me and my other homeboy, my brother, we would be cracking jokes and everybody would be like, yeah, I need to do comedy. So I remember doing this open mic at this place called Mangoes on um Newtown Road in Virginia Beach. Killed. And I was just like riffing. I was up there just talking shit, making fun of people. Like I didn't really have nothing to talk about. And uh it worked and I won and then uh, they brought me back, and then they brought me back the third week. I'm like, yo, you want to host? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and then, you know, some situations happened in Virginia where I had to come back to New York. Um, and I, I remember my first uh, show at a uh, governor's, and I, 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 felt, I didn't fall in love with comedy as much as I fell in love with the reception. Uh, you know, being on stage, um, being on stage and, and, and just hearing people laugh and, uh, that just that response is what really did it for me. It wasn't comedy. Um, it was the art of comedy, right? And um yeah. I remember at that time I was getting into the church, so I uh I wasn't cursing. So I wasn't doing clean comedy, I just wasn't cursing, mm -hmm. which which uh gave got me the uh which gave me the unique ability to be able to be a new comedian and make money 
He said I would do shows at churches. So I would do shows at churches, and you know, I did a few shows. I did, a, I actually did like a, a lot of shows with you know, rest in peace, Chris Cotton. A, a, he just passed. Yeah, great community Man with Tara these these Mother's Day shows, um, on Long Island, and it was just like, after a while, I was like, uh, this isn't like I don't think I'm gonna go anywhere doing this, right? Like Is, I always, did, yeah. Did different. you lose? Did you lose the passion, or you just like were looking long term and saw like the vision, like where the hip hop culture is more like popular, important, and it's like shit, like this comedy shit, this grind is tough. Like like for example, Lil Dicky could have been a stand up comedian. He said right. He's like, fuck stand-up comedy. I'm going to try to be get into music and do a TV show. It's like you could mm-hmm. tell the parallels. It will take a lot longer to be successful in comedy than it would be with other things. No, I think with me, and, and this is no, you know, people might hear this and be like, oh, he's such a, he, he's such a tryhard. He's a dick. To be honest, bro, I don't, lo- I've never loved comedy. I love watching comedy and I love um, uh, absorbing comedy. I love that. I don't love comedy. I don't like performing, right? I, I hate performing um so once i realized that and once i realized like i'm doing the same jokes i've been doing and i'm going to the same stages same joke the same churches and everybody's laughing the same way and it's like do i want to be the guy everybody laughs at or do i want to be the guy everybody listens to and i i, I made that decision i was like i want to be the guy everybody listens to so um i quote unquote retired from comedy and then um just put my focus into finding how to get into this space and then that was right around the time I discovered um, The Read, which was the first podcast I ever heard. Then right after The Read, um, I discovered Brilliant Idiots um, from a clip on World Star. Then Combat Jack. And then, you know, from that, the He-Man Woman Haters Club was born. And, yeah, just took off. That was, that was from, so that was like 2014, 2015. I don't know if this makes any sense, but do you see, like, people with talent talking about nothing? Like I f- for comedy, I feel like that way. Like I think being a part of a convo is important, and like that's what like successful entertainers uh, gotta like realize. I feel like you know what I mean. But at the same time, be yourself. Talented people talking about nothing. I like the way that sounds. Um, be- because like here's an ex- well, let me give you an example. Like all right, here's an example. Like I don't know if you like him or not. Uh, a lot of people don't like him, but academics. Like every day he would put a clip out uh, about hip hop news, right? No one cared about his opinion then, but ever over time he kept talking about what was popular, right? And then he became that voice for that lane. So in comedy, right. it's like you're right. talking about people are talking about like their personal life or shit people don't even know about, like no one cares about yet. But like mm-hmm. when it becomes something big, then like okay, I, I fuck with you. Like I think Schultz was great at that. So so almost like they're yelling into a vacuum until somebody looks. Yeah, it's like I see the same. I see a bunch of talent, but it's like they have no way to funnel their content like you guys do in hip hop. And like Schultz started to do, look at him now with the YouTube stuff and like able to funnel his content. He had the MTV guy code. He had billion idiots. Yeah, that's what you got to do. It's it's that that right there is what you have to do. You have to figure out a way to get it in front of people. Like I was, I'm not gonna say lucky, but I def my talent and the fact that I wasn't scared of anything. It and the the fact that I just had this knack for pissing the right people off. Hmm. always made sure that I was in the conversation even when like He-Man Women Hates Club first started I remember we were doing like 500-600 listens a week but it was 500-600 listeners every week that number never went down right and I think that's the important part when, when people begin to worry about numbers I don't care if you do 10 a week but if you tell me you do 10 every week I'll fuck with you I'll do your interview I'll I'll rock with you I'll get behind you I'll see what I can use to help you right because 
I know you can create an audience and you can keep people coming back. Now, if you tell me you did 10 this week and then five the week and then three, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know about that I, because you're losing. I don't care the size of the audience as long as you're building the audience. Because if you build the audience, you can always monetize that. And that's one thing Schultz showed me um, from afar and, and up close. If you can build the audience, it doesn't matter how big the audience is, they're going to follow all you have to do is build, listen, if you can build an audience of 500 people, I've seen it firsthand. Like, he man, woman, hit his club, literally was doing 600 a week, and we would just go up and up and up. We never went down, but that's because I knew how to create an audience. I knew what, I knew what people wanted to hear. I, and even if they didn't know what they wanted to hear, I knew what they wanted to hear. Kind of like Horrible Decisions. She was on a podcast uh, interview, and she was talking about how to monetize her podcast, and she was saying that a brilliant idiots, she was on Billion Idiots, and it upped her uh, like following and exposure so much that they started getting revenue from it and a bigger audience. That's a good example. I really think that people overlook that the importance and ability to network with people. Like especially, I see it in comedy. Not the not comedy. This whole interview, but it's like I think like who you network is so much more important than being funny or being super talented. I feel like there's a combination of luck, network, and talent. You know? Yeah, you got to know the network. If, if you're scared, but that's why a lot of people don't win. A lot of people have these great online platforms. But then you meet them in person, that fucking weirdo. You get what I'm saying? Like, but if they're, but if they're themselves, I respect that because there's a lot of weird motherfuckers in comedy or entertainment. I know that. But, but like, I know what you mean. But like, act funny in a way. Yeah, like I know you, the way you're saying it. Yeah. yeah. If you can't interact with humans naturally, then you you don't have much hope in 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 a in a job landscape that causes you to interact with humans. No, yeah, definitely, I feel that, and. uh yeah, I guess this networking is important and everything like that. Networking, networking is. I like to tell everybody like talent is like because I'm not cynical and I'm not, um, I'm not jaded enough to be like, oh, it's never about your talent enough. Um, but networking is a talent, and you got to be talented, man. Networking mm-hmm. is a talent. Like, I I don't mind telling people this because I mean I'm already where I'm at, and that's never gonna change. Um. I weaponized my intro. I weaponized my introduction coming into this shit. I was literally some dirty ass kid coming coming from the streets, like trying to figure it out when I got into this game and I weaponized my intro. I looked up the game, I looked like the I looked like the, the gangster, so I went and I talked to the gangster. And when you see me talking to somebody, I didn't care who it was. If you see me talking to that person, I made sure everybody else looking around felt like I knew that person. So when I walked away, everybody wants to know who's that kid. I I heard a podcast. Uh, I think it was It's the Real. Shout out to them. You said uh, you said that it's always the people who say let's link or build who bring nothing or who suck. So how do you realize what to do or what to like net- who to network with? Like how do you properly network with someone? Like is it value for value? Like people listening right now say if they only get 10 views a week or, you know, they're not big or they, they're not confident in their abilities yet, but they're still doing it and being consistent. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? Or like, how do you know who's real and who's not networking wise? Um, I don't think you do know. Right. I think it's a lot of it is like you, you reached out to me and um, I mean, of course it's pandemic and I do my best to get back to any platform I can. If you, if, you know, uh, so anybody who I didn't, I didn't hear this. So I didn't, I didn't dub you. I just didn't see it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I didn't even give you my pitch either. Nah, you, there's no need because we're in pandemic, bro. And I know everybody's trying to get their shit off. Um, quarantine nightly is only successful because people realize I'm getting, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm doing something different, but it's also, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting my shit off. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, yeah, my name ring bells, but it's like, 
would they matter if it wasn't a pandemic if these people had other things to do who knows so you know i take full advantage of that so i i, I get that back you know what i mean so Appreciate um but but as far as like knowing who to network with um from the other side you, you'll never know right but it's, i know if somebody tells me let's link or let's build you want me to do something you don't want to bring equal value you want me to do something for you you get what i'm saying so i, yeah. I always watch that so um the people who like the people i'm most intrigued by are the people who just come to me come up to me and this is not to be self-serving at all the people who come up to me and they're like yo i i fuck with what you're doing and when you say that i might say something slick like what 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 just to see if you really fuck with what I do or if you're just, if you're lying, right? So I'll be like, oh, word, word. Yeah, man, because I'm this, this new episode with, you know, Jesus, you know, it's rough. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I heard it. Now I know you're lying. Yeah, yeah. You know, but people come up to me and let me know they're genuinely interested in, in what it is that I'm doing. I'll always be willing to build with you. That's the way. Do you think now, uh, you were talking a little bit about somewhere, I think I was researching a little bit. Now, like the podcast numbers are getting less listens. I thought that was an interesting take because now during yeah. the quarantine, people's right. routines are in shambles and they're Netflixing or no, they're not commuting and listening to podcasts. So yeah. things are, listens are actually down and you're like, don't be depressed about it or don't like think it's a bad thing. It's just a common thing right now. Common thing, there's nothing we can do about it, bro. There's zero, not, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just the way people listen to podcasts and streaming music and they do that usually in, in um, how it relates to their working out or how it relates to their commuting. People aren't commuting as much, then those things that they did during the commute goes away with the commute. But what are you going to do in the meantime, right? What are you going to do in the meantime? That's why I said, fuck it. I'm not going to give you an hour and a half every night. I'm going to give you 40 minutes, 30 minutes, the news and a great interview and, and make it as palatable as possible. And I'm going to put it out and the people are going to come and that's, that's, that's all I could, that's all I can promise you. That's all I can show you. Um, but there's nothing you could do about that, but just continue to create. That's on anchor, right? Um, we're, I'm everywhere. But how you like create it from anchor or host it. Mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you believe you have to be multifaceted entertainment, uh, like in you use social media to your advantage to gain leverage? Good question. Um, I don't know if you have to be multifaceted. Sometimes, you know, it pays to just be a jack, uh, a master of one trade sometimes. Um, if, but if you are multifaceted, if you are super talented, then why not be able to lean into all your talents? Um, but I think the problem is when people don't hone their craft and then see somebody else getting successful over their craft and you try and do their thing that's fucking weird to me um so like i remember when i when, when i was hosting there were like 20 people trying to be hosting i'm the host and i'm the host and now when you know the cream rises to the top you see who's left um same thing with podcasting i remember when everybody started first started podcasting everybody was doing a podcast everybody had a podcast in 2016 but when those numbers start don't start growing and when you start can't and you can't get a hold of certain people and what, what are you doing now now what are you doing you get what i'm saying so it's like i don't know if you have to be multi as long as you can um as long as your craft is your craft and you're focused on honing your craft do whatever it's 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 interesting though. Say you have a voice like you, like you're hosting, but also doing the podcast and also hosting events, trap karaoke, all that stuff. 
but at the same time you're doing multiple things like how do you a lot of people ask me like how do you not spread yourself too thin when starting out or getting into it and knowing what you're great at you know what i'm saying like if a lot of people we know uh where we look up to or inspired by do like 10 different fucking things you know to make uh money well i'm a, so that's the thing right when i first started i, I was a, I, I started out podcasting that was what i was doing he meant with me class podcasting because nobody knew who i was and the people that didn't know who I was thought I was still a criminal, so they were not gonna hire me to host. Um, I had to, I had to muscle my way in, and then um, once I got enough looks, it was like, oh, this kid's nice. This this kid knows what he's doing. But I was, I still never stopped podcasting, right? And I had to realize that um, a lot of times we, a lot of times we, well, my poor brother. That's fine. A lot of times we, um, a lot of times. I see us, uh, what do you call it? Taking on names for the bio. That's what I call it. I see a lot of times we say, oh, I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm a this, just so we can fill up the Instagram and Twitter bio. Mm, and once I start seeing I was doing that, I'm like, why the hell, why would I say that? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a personality. That's what I am. I'm a personality and my, my personality allows me to make money. And multi, and I could I could be a talking head on a platform. Mm-hmm. I could be the host of three, four different shows. I can be a on-air host. I could be TV. I could be on stage. I'm a personality. That's just what I do. No, it's interesting because a lot of people are like, how the hell does they do they make money? How do they do this and that? And I think Tom Green said it best. He was saying that he wanted to become a broadcaster. No one gave him opportunity, so he created a job himself. Like he created his own shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing these days, but it's definitely a tough thing to do. And a lot of people who work that nine to five grind or who aren't as creative don't understand that. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think anybody who, um, I don't think anybody who does not work for someone else will understand working for yourself. Um, I think a lot of, and this is no shit. This is not me shitting yeah. on people nine to fives. What I'm saying is you spend most of your day, making sure someone else's dream comes true i spend all of my day making sure my dreams come true so we're just operating on two different platforms and there's people watching like netflix right not saying that netflix is bad but you get what i'm saying like there's people who work that nine to five laid off right now or at home and not really doing anything productive for themselves and it's like you could tell the people who are creating their own stuff and how they're working and doing stuff and don't get it twisted man that when listen you start working you start putting Chasing your fucking dreams, that shit did not happen overnight. Like you're gonna be on you're gonna be on the couch watching Netflix for a few weeks too. Yeah. <laughs> uh when, for example though, like you do your own shows, you worked with Spotify, correct? Like mm-hmm. uh, and you work for BET, uh mm-hmm. Anchor, stuff like that. Now more than ever, do you is it like there's no point to rely on a company, right? Not to like hate on the companies you work for, or is it like you gotta put yourself on pretty much, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a marriage. It's a marriage. You gotta be able to show them like why they should fuck with you because it's still it's still a company it's still a brand they still have they still got a bottom line to make so you gotta show them how you fit in that and sometimes you gotta show them like nah I'm you gotta show them how you fit in that but then also sometimes you gotta show them like fuck that I'm not fitting in that shit I'll do it myself so that's that's kind of what I did because once again coming back to it I didn't have I didn't go to college I didn't have a sorority or fraternity brothers to lean on i didn't have a network to lean on it was only me so once i realized that and i realized how it was going i said oh okay so every time i got turned down for something 
Every time somebody didn't take a look at me, I just told them, don't you worry, because I'm going to make my job to make sure you lose your job for sleeping on me. And that's what happened. A lot of people lost their job for not getting a Mouse Jones when it was easy to get Mouse Jones. When was the point where you realized, oh, shit, like the momentum's happening. Uh, things are going great for me. It's, it's my time right now. Like, what was that oh, shit moment? Or is it like never like that and it's a bunch of up and downs all the time? Or is it just momentum, positivity? I think it hit the first time I went, I went on Bray and Idiot. And um, I, yeah, because I, the first time I went on Bray and Idiots was the same week as um, when I recorded my um, It's The Real interview. And It's The Real, like, you know, those are my guys now, but coming up, those were, those were like demigods almost, right? Like that's like Letterman. If, if Breakfast Club is, is, is Leno, then they're definitely Letterman. And it's like, what? You want me? Like, I mean, I, I never asked, right? I never, because they get a lot of, and it's like you realize as being even in this industry for a little bit, you realize, even if you're not on the same level as them, you realize what how annoying it is when people just offer themselves to your show. You're like, whoa, whoa hold on. I, I know who I want to talk to. Like, so I never offered that. And it was like, when they hit me up, I was like, whoa. And then once I seen them, it was, it, I started to like kind of look around like, wait, and then I'm about to, because I went on Insta Real, then I shot the BT special for the Hip Hop Awards, which was my first time on TV. Then I went, I went and, um, and then I did, I met Charlemagne. I think this was like the third or fourth time me and him met, but he was like, yo, come on the show tomorrow. And um, at this time I was living on Long Island, so I didn't even want to risk it. So I never went home that day. I just I just went in uh I just went in uh booked the Airbnb and just made sure I stopped I booked the Airbnb right near the station and made sure I was there on time, which is which is, is very rare for me. Um, but made sure I was on time and, and yeah, uh, that was kinda cause then right after that I hosted the BT uh BT experience that so yeah, it was right around that time that everything started falling into place. That's crazy. It happened so quickly. You know, it's, I interviewed It's The Real way back on college radio, and I, I never thought they got the credit they deserve either. And, like, even to this day, it seems like the industry fucks with them. And, like, not to sound disrespectful, like, I really think they're great and great interviewers, but I feel like they get way more love too. Do you feel that um, way? That's because they're, they're white guys in hip-hop. That's what I was going to get. I'm a white guy too and white and goofy. And it's like <laughs> I saw the lane. I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to do this because I started with a hip-hop radio show, and uh, I started way back. And I was like, damn, it's like you got your Rosenberg, your Rude Judes, your It's the Reels, and uh, a couple other ones. But other than that, it's like, especially during the time when a lot of that stuff was going on with activism and everything like that, you feel like the odd guy out. You don't want to be that white guy, like, going super hard and looking really corny. You know what I mean? And uh, you can never look corny supporting, you know, the plight of the people you – you can never look corny supporting the plight of the, of the people who you enjoy, you know – listening to their music and watching their shows and the culture you embrace that's that's a very black thing you can never so don't ever think that you can never look corny support like you can never go too hard supporting the plight of the people whose culture you you, you take part in you you embrace and, and and allow them to embrace you so yeah um never worry about that and um yeah that, 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 that eric and jeff are two of the smartest guys i've ever met spoke to the two of the absolute most talented people 
um, I've ever been a part of interviewing or had interviewed me. Um, so yeah, they, they, they definitely get their flowers where it matters. And I think they're, but that's not even where their, their mind is. They're just worried about, you know, supporting hip hop and pushing the culture forward. And, um, that as long as you're doing that, you'll never get sidetracked. Yeah, they, they do good at what they do. And it's like, you see like the opposite and like kind of a Schultz, he says, like, I don't know anything about hip hop. Like he'll always play that card. Like he, well, he's being honest. And like, well, sometimes when the conversation gets interesting, I'm really an idiot. So be like, well, I don't know anything about hip hop and I don't claim to, you know what I mean? Like something like that. So, so right. So he lives like in this space within the hip hop culture, but you wouldn't talk to him about music. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't talk to Schultz about music. I wouldn't have him on a platform to talk about music. Um, in depth, right? Maybe if I was talking about like how do you consume the music or what music you consume, but I wouldn't have him to speak from a, like an expertise point of view when it comes to music. The crazy shit is though, it's like MTV Guy Code helped him out, and then Brilliant Idiots because I I would I interviewed him a few times in 2000. I forget when, way back, like Brilliant Idiots was starting to pop off 2016, and you could tell like his audience was more diverse in hip hop, and then like now he's just killing it. But you could tell like Charlemagne definitely gave him that plug, and he's he realizes that and he loves that. Absolutely, absolutely, man. You got to use what's around you, and I've learned that from him. Um, you know, I have fans. I find it so funny because, you know, uh, I have fans that know absolutely nothing about hip-hop, but they love my voice and, and what I speak about, and whatever it is I speak about, it just captivates them. So it's always dope to me, right, to see that. So, yeah, you got to don't get hung up, and, that, that's, and sometimes I guess I'm talking to myself, too. Like, don't get hung up on, like, why people support you just you know appreciate and, and accept the support do you have, do you have problems with anyone in hip-hop like uh i know some people i have issues with little dicky but others don't like others like the show dave but others don't like how he came in and kind of you know worked his way in through music and then doing other stuff out of the industry um yeah, i mean you can't blame him you gotta blame the people who let him in do you have any issues with like anyone like that or like your academics is you see like wayno with the guy behind the scenes music industry you know, that's my, that's, that's my dog. Um, if you're asking me, if you're asking me, do I have any issue? I don't know these people. Um, do I think they're corny? Sure. Um, academics is a corn. Um, but I mean, I'm not trying to like get, gain like clout. I was, I was just, I was just asking I, about. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, academics. I, I respect his work ethic. You have to. I give him that, right? Maybe sometimes you got to ask yourself, what do you, uh, what do you, you know? Sometimes you got to ask yourself, what are you selling your soul for? That's what my whole thing was. Say if I did Warren Chirac, I would literally be killed or looked at as a jerk off. You know what I'm saying? There'll I mean, never be a lot in Chicago. If, yeah. if, if, real, if, if real people keep catching him in Chicago, he's gonna have to answer for that. Um, but but yeah, I I hundred percent understand what you're saying. Um, I just don't pay no mind to be honest. I, I don't I don't pay him I don't pay him that I don't pay anybody who I don't fuck with that much mind. Um, but there's a lot of vultures. There's a lot of people in the community getting off the community that don't do anything for the community i know vlad recently a lot of people don't like him that much uh he's a corn i don't i don't respect anybody who won't sit in a room with the people they interview oh he doesn't sit in the room with them Nah, he, he does it just like we're doing it right now and then he records his voice so if you listen if you listen to the if you like just you know close your eyes and listen to the interview you can hear the difference got you i'd sit in a room with you but we're quarantined oh, but uh, I, I got what you mean i got what you mean no nah, i feel that that's interesting. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of people have issues with them. I was just going to say, do you produce a lot of your own stuff or do you delegate tasks? Like say you do a podcast, right? Like a night show. I know you got some writers you were saying, but like the editing itself, like you, I don't know if you know, this takes hours and the whole process is like a full-time job. 
I do not edit. I have I have an amazing editor and producer. Um, his name is Rel. Um, Rel is is he knows my voice. He knows my stickler. He knows what I like. He knows where how I like to sound. He knows like Rel has been with me since 2017. That's dope. When I started MTV, yeah, like 2017. He's been with me for about three years. Um, every project, no matter the budget, no matter the brand, I'm I'm bringing Rel on board. Um, so yeah, uh, no editing. I know I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. So, yeah, and 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 editing is not one of them. Nor do I want to learn how to do that. You know, um, it took a lot just for me to get this setup at this this at home recording setup. So, um, and and doing all that and sending the files and shit like that. So. Yeah. Mm-mm, I'm good. Um, do you think? Do you think networking, like uh, the networks, for example, they don't let a show live long enough before they cancel it? Do you think that's why, like, building your own show is a great thing? Yes, absolutely. I've been a victim of that a few times. Yeah. Um, but I also understand that everybody has a job, and everybody has somebody they got to answer to. Um. So. I still don't understand why give an opportunity to something if you're not going to put your all into it. And but, a, and a time period too, not a long time. You know what I mean? I've been the day. Listen, I've been a victim of it. Whether it was cut, you know, everybody asks about to this day. Everybody asks about colorways and toe boxes. Like I can't be anywhere um, too long, especially not in like streetwear circles, and, and people don't ask me about that show or ask me about the show um tunnel takedown from complex like or i'll apologize later and i'm like listen they gave me what they gave me and you know i, I keep moving on i tell you it's never going nowhere anything with my name on it and do you look at your career like i know we talked about it a little bit i don't want to kill the topic but as one big brand or multiple things not related to each other you know one saying? big brand everything is mouse jones everything yeah. circles back to me and like you were saying, because a lot of people ask, like a lot of people listen and they ask, and just like people who don't listen either, they'll be like, "Do you think you could play yourself trying to do too much, like a journalist, a blogger, a personality? Like a lot of those intertwine with each other, you know what I mean?" But like, yeah. I think, like I said, I'm a personality, um, so I can never burn myself out being me. I mean, do I think there's times I could take on too many, too many, too many things? Yeah, I've been there, and not, I don't think I burnt out per se, but I was like, "Fuck, I ain't doing that again." Um, but when the opportunity arose, I did it. You know what I mean? Uh, we only have but so many years on this earth, and we only have but so much time to get to take advantage of the things we've worked hard for. So if I have to do four shows, and, and like there was one point like I was doing three shows, I was doing three shows and traveling and crazy. working on three shows, three active shows, traveling and working on an upcoming show at the time. And, and you just had to get it done. When you host, you don't look at it like performing. You just look at it like I'm just on stage talking my shit and just announcing. Yeah, I'm not performing. I'm being me. You think in, you think in comedy in a way people aren't being themselves, or is it just like an act? Some of it you're saying. It's an act. It's an act, right? Like you know, you're not the person you're on stage uh, showing yourself to be. You're 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 a person on stage to get a, to to elicit a certain reaction from people. I'm the opposite. I'm on stage and I'm just trying to connect with you. I'm trying to show you I'm just like you, but we, but I'm just a lot louder and we're going to turn the fuck up. When you interview these people, like, 
See, my thing is like big, the bigger name interviews help for an audience, but you still got to put like that creative, unique content like that's you on there. You get what I'm saying? It's like you interview your Charlemagne's, you interview your Schultz's, but at the end of the day, I think people really will resonate with somebody when you're authentically being you and putting your own content out there. And you try to balance that or it's like, fuck, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get Shannon Sharp tomorrow. I'm going to get this person there. I'm just naming people, but like, you know, like a, like a huge interview, but at the same time, it's like, shit, I got to find a way to package this with myself in there and be me too. So, so that's, a, that, that's an excellent question. Um, this week, well, not even this week, yesterday, the, the reason um, I dropped, I, I, missed, I missed you yesterday because I was interviewing, like, so when I came into this, I always said, I, like, when people ask me, I'm like, Yo, I, got top, I got a top two interview. Like, people always ask, who's your top five? I got two dream interviews, and if I get one of them, I'll be fine. Um, and yesterday, I got one of those dream interviews. And Name name. I, uh, I can't say it. When this come out? Uh, later in the whenever you wanted to. I, I could like hold it back, you know. Or um, I mean, if it come out after Friday, but I don't want to hold you up. I got I got Kirk Franklin. Oh, that's sick. Kirk Franklin is a legend in my life. He's a legend in my family's life. He's a legend in gospel and in the church world where I grew up. Um, and you know, a lot of the reason I'm able to host a lot of these events, or at least track karaoke in the way I do. Is doing doing part of his music. So um, I always said growing up, I was like, yo, if I could get social sky. And I remember just coming in a meeting, like, if I could interview two people, it would be him and one other person. And then to actually have the chance to sit with him and interview him for two hours yesterday, I still had to remember that even though this is the name, I still had to be me. Right? And you find those pockets to be you, and you just let them live. Yeah. And like part of me doesn't want, like I love interviewing people and networking, but I don't want to be the guy who just interviews everyone famous and not be the guy that's, you know, known for something as well. That makes any you gotta sense. Talk to everybody. You got to find a way to talk to everybody. And that's why, that's what I loved about He-Man Women Haters Club. I couldn't get anybody famous. So I made myself, I made a name essentially talking to a bunch of nobody. Not as nobody. What, here, the thing is interesting though, because like you probably know them way more than I do. I, a lot of people I interviewed, I don't know them personally. Like, you know what I mean? I don't like try to network after that. I mean, it's a tough thing anyway, you know, when you're a younger person, younger kid. But the thing is like, you're interviewing these people and then like people don't get it. It's like kind of like a tree, like you're networking in a way. Like every time you do an interview, it's like a resume thing. So you, yep. someone sees that and they'll fuck with you and do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. do you Just fight for your interviews in a way like that? Is it, or is it more about like, let me get a, let me make a call. Like you don't want to call up like Charlotte, I'm like, hey, can, can you help me get this interview? Is that in a way? If it's important enough, but I, I don't like asking for help. And yeah, exactly. I, Charles Mays told me about that, about myself, a few other people. I just don't like asking people. Wayno curses me out like at least twice a week about that. Like, I just don't like asking people for help. And that's just how I am. Um, especially if they're like, if you're above me, right? I believe in networking out, but you know, I don't always like asking up. So like even the Kirk Franklin interview happened because I networked across. Like it was somebody who I grew up with and they were in the industry that were close to him. And I was like, yo, they can hook that up. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to ask. And then he hit me a week later, like, yo, it's happening. I wouldn't have asked Charlamagne for that favor. But if it's an interview I want enough, I'll have to come out myself and be like, yo, you think you can help me with that? You know what I mean? Yeah, what's funny is there's some people who are dicks to a lot of people in the industry, and I realize you got to be nice to everyone because you don't know who someone knows, and they could use it. You don't got to be nice to everyone. You just got to be yourself. Be yourself, but I'm saying like no need to be a dick to the person who's the intern. Well, if, right, 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 right. Nobody likes that guy. Nobody no. likes that guy. Nobody uh, likes that guy. No, yeah. So it's like, 
how do you go about like you know you said you want to be more than just like interviewing big names and things like that but it's obviously a great look and it creates an audience in a way but you want to re- you want them to come back how do you create that content that's unique and 100% you where it's like you're going to do more than you gotta, you gotta just introduce them to you you got to let them know that this you're never going to get this anywhere else whether it's 20 minutes or an hour or two hours people leave conversation with me like damn that was that was dope like kirk said multiple times and i just like confirmation like yo that this was so much fun i enjoyed this so much um other interviews you know like yo like 20 minutes and, and especially if you don't know me and you're a celebrity you're like you, you know you have to kind of guard up because you hear about me and it's like oh what are you going to say or what are you going to do then you have this conversation and you're like oh no nah, i loved it like yeah let's do this again follow after you know you catch a follow after instagram or whatever Get to follow after the interview, like, yeah, I got your ass, yeah. Do you, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about, like, value for value, and it comes off kind of lame sometimes, but do you believe in that in a way, like, providing value for someone and get it in return? Yeah, uh, no, 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 I don't, because I don't believe in doing things out of transactionalism. Um, You know, if I'm doing something for you, like this right here, right, you could, you know, go on in a year and become the biggest name in, in your space or biggest name in our, in our space. And I'm not going to come to you like, Yo, you remember I did that interview for you when I was bigger than you. So I don't do that. I, 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 I don't do that. I, I just don't. And I know some people say the tax always tells me, you know, you know, uh, be useful in, uh, unless you're useful, unless you're useless. But it's like, yeah, I'm just that's not who I am, man. Yeah, unless, that, unless, that's the, 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 unless that's the contract, unless we have a contract that says I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. Yeah, sure. Use it. Get it's okay to be used or whatever that that whole thing he says. But I was actually going to ask what I find it interesting because you know the come up. A lot of times you don't get paid for a lot of your services. And mm-hmm. Business people were like, every time you don't get paid for your service, people are going to be used to you working for free. How did you transition into monetizing everything? Because that's a lot of people, a lot of listeners. They're up and coming comedians, up and coming radio people, and they may don't make a lot of money. And they want to know like how to build a brand, and they don't call themselves entrepreneurs. But I feel like in a way, we all are in a way, you know, because. The problem is, and Charlamagne says it all the time, and, and I live by it, like, people coming up, they, they're unable to see an opportunity without a price tag attached to it. It's I like, I, 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 me personally, I know me, I, I've never done anything for free. Just because I didn't get paid monetarily does not mean I did anything for free. Every look I got led to something else. To this day, I've never done anything for free. Oh, so you if don't you're doing something. It's not, it's just not true. Just because I didn't get paid immediately. All right, perfect example, right? I, I don't know how deep you're in the industry, but you ever got paid by a brand and some called like net 30, net 60, net 90, where like they have a certain amount of time to pay you for your service? I, I heard of that. I heard that. Right. So, so, so you worked and you didn't get paid immediately. Did you work for free? No. I got a, I guess a good example. I don't know if it's really, it's embarrassing, but Fleshlight, I, I interviewed porn stars on YouTube and it got big views and exposure and that helped me out. So I got a sponsor by Fleshlight. It's a, uh, it's a pocket pussy. So oh, it's like a six month contract in a way. And there's like incentives. If you do certain things, you get paid a certain amount differently. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that, but I, it, it's annoying to me. I don't know about you, but everything like sponsorship wise, it's all about like social media now. Like it's all like a lot of it is like social media. It's not even annoying. It makes sense because they're not, they're not industry, um, there's no payoff with them, right? So it's like, they're not like a label, they're not like a, a brand. So I don't judge them. They're coming in to figure out a way to make more money. So 
Yeah, I, I understand it. What do you think of like, uh, like the, a lot of entrepreneurs, like I'm not knocking anyone, people with like fake followings. Like I, <laughs> I know someone was like, yo, I get you in something where you get a hundred thousand followers in a two weeks notice or whatever. And it's like brands will be hitting you up then. And it's like, I feel like if you had a hundred K followers and no talent, you might be able to be more successful than someone with talent, no following. Yeah, if those hundred thousand followers were real. But it's like, they might be real, right? But at the same time, they're not really engaging with you. Uh, if you're able to amass a following of 100,000 people, real people, there's a talent somewhere. That's a talent. There's you people who tell me that shit, though. I'm saying, but, I'm saying. But that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Those, those days are over. It's 2020. Those brands now know about the bots and the fake accounts. They know about these. They so do it themselves. Right, so when they look at your following and you have 100,000 followers, but you average 1,000 likes on a picture, they know something's off. If you have 100,000 followers and you have like a whole bunch of comments in like Israeli, they know something's up. Yeah, not to make it about me, but the thing with me is on YouTube, I'll get like 70,000 views a month because of all porn interviews. Like people don't care about me per se, but they care about the funny interview, right? So mm -hmm. if they go to my Instagram, it doesn't, they don't think it adds up. They think I fake uh, YouTube shit, but I don't. It's all real. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Um, I think they look at the engagement, right? Like your engagement can tell me, at least me, that's what I've learned. And I hate Instagram. Like if I didn't have, if, if I didn't have to work, I, I wouldn't have an Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I've learned, I've learned, the ins and, I've learned some of the ins and outs. So like, if I look at somebody's page, I'm like, oh, they got this many followers. Okay, boom, boom. Okay, I see the engagement. The engagement is what lets me know. Like, if I always see you have like twenty six to like thirty comments, I'm like, okay, boom, this person's real. Like, the engagement is what lets me know. Yeah. And one day you might have a, like a really good fit on, or a really good interact, or a really engaging picture that day. So that might go up, but it's the engagement that lets me know it's real. And also, I feel like it's in a way a resume like say if you put your interviews up there like the clips like you put up there it's like shows people like hey listen i'm fit for a show i could do this i could be on good morning america etc you know that's all i'm doing bro that is all i'm doing when it comes to quarantine nightly that's all i'm doing that's that's the way to be you know and, and it's funny how you talked about how you want to be more than hip-hop and it's like guys like not saying it's the real but guys like me other people it's like we want to be in hip-hop and it's like there's people like you who like you're in uh, it's the it's the uh what you call it grass is always greener on the other side not even that, no. It's just, it's uh the privilege, right? If we're being honest, right? Like you you as the benefit, I'm not I don't know your you know ethnic background, but if somebody was to look at you and they'd be like, Oh, that's a white guy. Oh, okay, boom. So 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 they look at you, okay, that's a white guy. Already you have a benefit of the doubt, already you have already you have a privilege that's going to set you above even coming into our industry, you have a privilege that's gonna set you or give you certain um uh uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, access to, 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 to positions I may never have or a chance I'll never have. So yeah, I came up in the hip hop industry and, and, and I loved hip hop. And I, like I said, I'm not even just talking about music. I'm just talking about the, the, the vast media conglomerates we're able to create within hip hop. But I've always wanted to be bigger than that. I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted that to just be a, a facet of what I do and not what I do. No, I, get I, want it. The biggest, I want to have the biggest opinion in the world. I want to have the most important opinion in the world. And there's people like on CNN who are hip hop heads and they will support hip hop and stuff like that. It's, it, it doesn't like, I, love, like, I love Ari Melber. Like I love him from uh, NBC. Love him. Love Ari Melber. Love guys like Mark Lamont Hill um, who was actually on Quarantine Nightly two weeks ago. Last week I um, two weeks ago. So people um, ask how do you get those interviews? Like, if, like they were asking up and comers. Like is it just building a network tree pretty much? 
to be honest. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Um, let me look. My fault. No disrespect. I'm just looking at. It. No, it's fine. And I had a question from someone. They texted me. They want to know how does someone on the come up even get an opportunity or chance that can change their circumstances for the better? That created. That's no. I can only give you the advice that I've lived by, and I can only give you the advice from my experience. You got to create it. Every big opportunity for me, I've created. You know, I got my little sister behind me, my dad, right? They'll tell you, like, I've created all my big opportunities, all the big chances I got that had people look at me and say, let's give him a shot. I created those. Then I've gotten existential or I've gotten, like, tangential uh, uh, um, opportunities from that because of, I've, all right, now I'm in this position and I show you what else I can do and I show you I'm worth keeping on. So, like, perfect example um trap karaoke i've been reaching out that guy i've been reaching out to the trap karaoke the like host host for at that point two years three i'm the host of trap karaoke gotcha. um a guy by the name of jason moat created created uh created it um so with that yeah. low-key was the host and i was like yo let me host man let me let me host and the guy jason would never pay me any money he never pay me any money what happened was I was on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty popular on Twitter. And uh, like I said, I'm always pissing people off and, mm-hmm. and I enjoy my tweets. He, he paid attention and he was doing an event um, called Caption is Live, which we now do. But he was testing it out as a live show. So he was like, uh, hey, I want to, you know, I want you to come out and I want you to, um, I want you to, I want you to be a part of this. It's just a contestant. I said, cool. You seen the way I interacted. But then also I had these viral clips at the moment of me hosting these parties. Smart. Hosting these events and, and people going crazy. I had these viral clips going at the time. You reached out and was like, yo, I want you to do track karaoke, damn. I went on, I debuted in Philly in March, and then that turned into me never not being, and that led to me becoming the host of track karaoke. Um, even, you know, getting my first industry drop, industry job at MTV, writing for TRL. I had never written on a show before. Never, ever in life, never written on anything before. My How do you tweet, do that? Just the networking and opportunity from the every, all the work you put literally in? I got it, literally, I got an email from Andrew Goldstein. Probably the most amazing white guy I've ever met in my life. Um, I got an email from Andrew Goldstein, and he was just like, we're looking for a voice, looking for a voice in the culture, and I keep hearing your name. That was it. That's Reached cool. out. I met with him. I started working, and then that that opportunity led to me getting my show at BET, getting being in front, being around these people in these writing rooms, and then just being like, "No, what? Why are you writing? You're the talent." But you know what I mean. So, um, from my experience, you got to create it, man. If you wait, if you wait around, if you wait around for somebody to pay you attention, you're always gonna lose. You got to you got to create it. You got you have to create it. So when I do that, everybody knows what I do. So now when I walk in a room. You know me from somewhere. You know me from the Grapevine, Trap Karaoke, Twitter, um, Instagram, Ox Smoke, Quarantine Nightly, Clubhouse, Guys Next Door. You know me from somewhere. You got to create it. That's a lot of shit, too. It's like you got to, you're working a lot, like every night with different content. You have to, man. You have to, because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm an act. It's almost like playing sports. If you let, like the, the athletes, they're still working out, man. They're still working out. Eventually, it's going to come back. I got to make sure I'm on top of my crap when it comes back. I had a question. I don't know how to butcher it, but pretty much people want to be like, comedians want to be like the main star, like the Kevin Hart's, right? 
And it's right. like, there's people like you, I'm not knocking you at all. There's people like you who are like, you're on the stage, but you're not the main star. Like you, you'll be hosting an event and Snoop Dogg perform, performance say, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do people see that and learn how to like do that as well? Not be you obviously, but get into careers where they don't have to be the main star. A lot of the times in entertainment, like I want to be the main star, you know what I'm saying? But there's so because, many other different things they could do to get that. Because I'm the main star. I'm the main star when I have the mic. Right? So, okay, I understand that. This is, if I'm hosting an event that isn't trap karaoke or something like that, the best way as a host, your job is to make sure the crowd is entertained and they never forget this night. That's my job. I don't need my name in marquees. It doesn't have to be trap karaoke with Mouth Jones. Simplified. I don't need my name. I don't need that. I care that you enjoy the night because somewhere, I'm the star, right? You go to the podcast, a podcast, you go to the podcast, who's the A mic? Me. You go to these, you go to the shows, who's the host? Me. You, 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 and I'm, I'm talking about like these digital shows, right? Like who's the host? Me. Who is the moderator? Me. Who's the focus? Me. So I don't need all, I don't always need to be the star of the show. Gotcha. My job is to, I know when I have the microphone, you'll know who's the star. That's where I put it. Uh, I got I got time for like one more question. Um, okay, yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna say, uh, if you were meeting someone for the first time, or someone was listening or watching you, what what is one thing you would want them to take away from you? That's a fucking great question. Um, be willing to put the work in. It's just not easy. I could give you all the advice about other shit. That's that's not important. What's important is when the numbers ain't hitting, when the money ain't coming in, will you still do it? And if not. The same for the same for you. So are you willing to put the work in? Can I get one last question? I usually end it on keys. Keys to success, and is it passion over profit? So basically, like when I'm interviewing someone, they'll just give the keys to success, like a quick thing that they think will help people out who are listening, and then also uh, passion over profit. Keys to success, not being pussy. You can't <laughs> be pussy. You cannot be scared to hear. You can't be scared of nothing. If if, if you want to succeed, you can't be scared of nothing. You can't be scared to hear no. You can't be scared to fail. You can't be scared. Um. Passion. It's always passion. It's always passion. Passion is always, for me, it's always passion. Everything I do, I'm passionate about. My little sister back here, she'll tell you. Um, I'm in, especially when I first started doing quarantine lately, I would be in, in this little office space that my parents, you know, set aside for me um, during this quarantine, being here 12 hours a day. From the time I wake up, I'm in here, I'm on the phone, yo. I'm on the I'm on the phone pitching. I'm at Instagram DMs pitching, Twitter DMs pitching. Um, I'm recording. I'm pulling shit off. I'm I'm you know um, on Fridays I do the inter- the, the, the long form interviews like a documentary. So I'm building out sounds for that. Um, yeah, it's always passion, man. I'm passionate about every single thing I do. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. And oh yeah, just plug up everything you do and like all your stuff. Um, you guys can follow me at mouse underscore Jones on Instagram. You can follow me at mouse Jones on Twitter, no underscore. Um, quarantine nightly is every night on um, Monday through Thursday. We do the news on Fridays, the deep dives. Um, the first week I had tax. Second week I had a guy named Stevie Guns, who was a uh, Rikers correction, uh, correctional officer who began running drugs. Um, last week I had the Waffle House hero, James Shaw Jr., this week, you, I'll have Kirk Franklin. Um, I don't want to tell you who I have next week. I already gave you too much. Um, but then every Monday through Thursday, I'm doing the news, man. Get in touch. Get in tune, man. A, a lot of shit they don't want us to know. We won't know because if all we're doing is eating what they put in front of us, then 
you know, eventually we're going to pass out. So, you know, get the news in your life, man. If you don't like the way the news is on TV, I understand that. Come fuck with me at Quarantine Nightly. Give me the news every Monday, guys, next door drops. Every Monday, guys, next door drops. We got the shit going on on Patreon. Um, I don't remember it. Um, the Chase not here to help us, so um, I don't I don't even know where to send you that. Um, and make sure you follow Trap Karaoke. We we do caption this live twice a month. You know, we give people money to just caption memes and shit like that. So that's everything going on. Oak smoke every night. My bad. Oak smoke every night on my Instagram live eight thirty, which I'm already running late for. But you know, okay. so it's always about a good conversation, good content. So Oak smoke every. Monday, every week, Monday through Friday. Gotcha. I appreciate it. I like how you don't uh, let anyone put you in a box. A lot of, you know what I mean? Can't, you can't put, you, you can only put dead bodies in boxes. I'm still alive. <laughs> true. It's true. I appreciate it. Thank you. And this is Cute Basement okay. with the Sweens with Mouse Jones. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for uh, doing the interview. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. I'll send you the link after and everything. All right, bet. He's so nice. Yo, keep it basement. Keep it basement, back at it, baby, with the bang bangers. Nigga, shut your ass up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck, man. You are listening to Keep It in the Basement, like most Italians. If you're not Italian, keep it there anyway. Well, that's cool, because you're a fan. I'm a fan, too. You know what I'm saying? And I think, to, to me, fans make the best interviews. You know what I mean? Like, Because we're asking the questions from a fan perspective. When you're a true fan... And, you follow the artist and you study your artist and you know an artist's music, you know an artist's background, you know the questions, the right questions to ask because you're asking questions from a fan perspective. And not only that, the reason you said that you're able to talk to uh, your favorite artist for an hour, it's not that you're able to talk to them for an hour, it's you're able to listen to them for an hour. It's a yeah. difference. See, a lot of interviewers don't listen. See, I'm a listener. Like, yeah. like a lot of interviewers I have 20 questions and all they want to do is get through those 20 questions but the yeah. truth about it is if you ask me a question if I ask an artist a question and the artist answers me if I'm listening I'm probably going to get something else out of his answer that I want to ask him and that's what a conversation is all about hello hello Sipes yes, what's up? hey what's going on this is Mike Sweeney Jeez. what's up dude Mike Sweeney got it what, keep it what radio basement Keep it basement, like keep it, like keep it in the house. Keep it yeah. basement radio. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Uh, hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Lil Dicky. Shout out, Mike Sweeney, Swain, and Keep It Basement Radio. What's up, guys? This is Mickey Gall. You're listening to Keep It Basement. Keep it basement. You, you are tuned in. <laughs> you are tuned in to the Keep It Basement podcast with your boy Swede. Y'all heard? What up, Sweeney? Now tune to motherfucking derelict. Keep it basement with the Sweens. That's the name of the podcast. Keep it basement with the Sweens. Keep it basement. We out. Welcome the newest sponsor of the podcast, Fleshlight. Fleshlight is the number one male sex toy in the world. With its soft, real feel insert, patented to be so lifelike that many have proclaimed it feels better than the real thing. While there is no substitute for a real woman, amazing inner textures and over 100 possible combinations to choose from, we all have to work a little harder to keep up. Fleshlights offer an adjustable cap to control the desired suction level you prefer, as well as a channeled sleeve, able to stretch in order to accommodate the repeated discomfort of your girth. Easy to clean and durable, Fleshlight is your number one choice brand for male sex toys. Fleshlight 
also offers flesh skins, sleeves, anal toys, and accessories, including lube, mounts, cases, sleeve warmers, vibrators, and more. For more information, search Fleshlight on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or visit www.fleshlight.com. This is the Keep It Basin podcast. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe to us, also on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes Music, Laughable, and wherever else you could listen to us and view us. Thank you for tuning in. Keep It Basement is brought to you by Promescent. Promescent is a safe, proven, effective, lasting longer spray that can delay ejaculation and let men enjoy lovemaking in a way that they didn't know was possible. Promescent isn't just a spray to help you last longer in bed. It's a way to slow down the clock, giving you more time to play, more time to explore, and more time to discover new levels of intimacy with your partner. The primary benefit of using Promescent is that it is a local therapy and you won't have the risk of experiencing side effects like you would with an oral supplement. Simple and easy to use, just spray on the underside of the head of your penis and some on the underside shaft as well. Apply three or more sprays, but no more than ten and rub in. Wait five to ten minutes until it is fully absorbed into your skin. Don't forget to wash off the spray before engaging in sexual intercourse. Promescent offers spray, lubricant, condoms, and Betaflux, an erectile dysfunction pill, and offers free shipping on U.S. orders over $10. Follow Promescent on Instagram or visit promescent.com for more information. This is the Keep It Basement Podcast. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Laughable, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can listen to us at. And also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Keep It Basement. And check the YouTube page out, Keep It Basement YouTube, for more interviews and content coming your way. Thank you for listening. Check out dankstop.com. We have the biggest selection of bongs, vaporizers, accessories, anything that you're looking for in the smoking industry. Use promo code BEAWESOME. That's B-E-AWESOME, A-W-E-S-O-M-E. One word, put it together, no spaces. That's for 15% off. Check us out. Uh, Stay tuned for a giveaway that we're doing with Keep It Basement. Shout out Keep It Basement. You guys were awesome. And hopefully we speak again soon. Thank you, Louie. Shout out to Dank. Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey (laughs) Champs. Sam. I'm not looking at you. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey Champs, and you're listening to Keep It Basement. Uh, Oh, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that basically... uh, Mike Sweeney, the head president CEO of Keep It Basement, fully admitted... At least you know it. Keep it fucking moving. Um, Porn sex, it's like 45 minutes an hour, but like real sex is like 20 minutes. Well, maybe for me, I guess. Try like three or four hours. Hour and 45 minutes? What the fuck? It's four hours. Any words of wisdom here? Always use a condom, and if you don't use a condom, make sure you got like really strong pull-out game, okay? (laughs) Pull-out game week. Yeah, wear a condom. Are you nuts? I have two hairless cats. I have one too. Can you get laid whenever with a bunch of options? How thirsty are your DMs? It's pretty lit. I ain't got Instagram. I don't got tweeters. I don't got nothing. A younger guy pick up a a woman who's older than him. That's a really great question. How could I approach you and take you back to my room if we were sitting at a bar? You ask too many fucking questions. Don't ask no fucking questions. Plus, do funny guys get laid more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Would you date a uh, guy with a small penis? Like, how small? <laughs> How's, how big's your penis? Like, four inches? How funny are you? Then you put that video on fucking Worldstar. I hit the thing, it's YouTube. Fuck me up more. Sick of it. Stay down in the cellar and shut the fuck up. Now. Keep it based on podcast description. Basement. Find Keep It Based with the Sweens wherever you get your podcast with host Tom Zappia and Alex Nicholas. Please make that a permanent drop in every episode. I scold them myself. Keep It Basement podcast. We out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Stealth Mode Motorsports. It's a fucking read-through. What am I supposed to be? Act interested. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Yeah.
Stealth Mode Motorsports serves worldwide motorcycle enthusiasts, racers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and custom builders with the highest quality <laughs> quality OEM parts for Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, and Ducati, super sport motorcycle models. We buy and sell used motorcycles as well. Based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, StealthModeBikes.com, also on Facebook and Instagram at Stealth Mode Motorsports. Need an engine for a car? We supply engines to race teams all over the world. Lay your bike down and don't want to pay dealer pricing? Contact us for a fraction of dealer prices. Specializing in Yamaha R1 and R6, GSXR 650,000, ZX6R, ZX10R, and CBR 1000RR late model years. All current inventory can be found on our eBay store at ebay.com slash str slash stealth mode motorsports. Check them out. What do you want to do? You want to go to the Shipbag Comedy Show and then maybe try to roll through stress? Guys, follow your dreams and listen to Keep It Basin and rate, subscribe. Thanks, guys. Peace. Just masturbate if all else fails. Peace. Get a job in California. If you don't like it, fuck it. You get on a plane, fly home. That's it. Take a chance. Four minutes at the the, the, the comedy club in New Brunswick. Four minutes. Might turn into a a spot on a Jimmy Kimball Tonight Show. You never know. You got to try it. You just can't stay on a safe route because then you're going to end up being kind of bitter when you get older. That you didn't take no chances. That's it. That's my view on things.